Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend our time on this program telling you the stories of our church as we interview our members. We have a very special interview for you today that's actually going to take longer than our usually allotted 25 minutes, but I think you're going to enjoy every second of it. And so Pastor will introduce our guests in just a moment. I do want to invite you to our live stream service this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. Obviously, we can only bring you the service online, but we really hope you join us either on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org, or on our Facebook page at Harvest Baptist Church. We'll also be carrying the service live here on 88.1 FM, but we'll tell you more about all that at the end of the program. Here's Pastor Walton introducing today's guests. Well, I'm really pleased to have Alan and Natalia Robb with us on the the phone today and their daughter, Sarah. Alan and Natalia and the Robb family were a part of the Harvest family for a couple of years, a number of years actually, while they're here in Guam. And God has just recently replanted them back to the States. But uh, we want to take an opportunity uh, to talk with them. And I'm really thankful, uh, Alan, Natalia, and Sarah, thank you for being willing to get on the phone with me here today. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. To our Harvest family, um, we've been praying so diligently and fervently for the Rob family for the last, uh, boy, how many months has it been now since Sarah first became since sick? March. Since March. Since March, yeah. I was thinking about it was about the same time as, uh, as the coronavirus started hitting us here on the island. All those things came together. So we've been praying very diligently, and we've, act- we've watched God do some amazing miracles. And so we're very thankful for that. And Alan and Natalia and Sarah all together wanted to be able to share that story of what God has done. And, uh, and I know our church family would, would like to hear it, and many others that are listening. I pray that you'll be blessed and that God will be honored in hearing what he's done in, in the Rob family. Uh, maybe I could begin, uh, Alan, with you. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you came to Guam first and the connections at Harvest? Uh, well, um, so I retired out of the military um, at uh, Edwards Air Force Base, and shortly after retiring with the Air Force, uh, I, I was able to uh, get a job with Elsa Grumman there at Palmdale. Uh, I spent a couple of years there, and I've been looking for an opportunity to move uh, to a different type of job that I was in, and the job in Guam uh, came open. I applied for it, got accepted to it, and so that that then brought us out to uh, Guam. As part of the uh, as part of my assignment there in Guam, um, it had a basically a, a six month deployment to Japan, sort of in the middle of the year, or so during summer months, kind of that that typhoon season. So shortly after arriving there, I think we arrived there in March, actually. Um, uh, we had a couple of months there, uh, and then uh, I was off to Japan, left Natalia. In April. In April, okay. Uh, and so I left Natalia, and basically the, the rest of the kids uh, there in Guam, and uh, we were expecting a, a baby, <laughs> mm. hoping for June, 
as it turned out, it was in May. So, um, uh, so anyway, I, I left, went to Japan, started getting set up with everything there. And, uh, you know, right around the corner, I thought I started getting labor pains. And so we tried to work through that. And finally, I was to a point um, where she called me from the hospital, I think, and, and Rhonda was there with her. Uh, and uh, I got on the last flight uh, of the day, leaving Tokyo, and made it there, and we had a little baby boy wow. uh, early that next week. Um, so, so that was a, uh, kind of the, the first, um, I won't say a hurdle, but the first big experience we had there. And during that event, um, the, the church has really just been, uh, I'd say the church family has just been a rock for us, for wow. our family while we were there. So it was very fortunate that we were able to find the, the church and make connections like we did right off the bat. And it, it was really a, a, a big help to our family. Amen. I'm thankful for that. And your family is loved uh, by the Harvest family for sure. Natalia, I know that you have an interesting background. We don't have a lot of time to share that whole story, but you want to give us uh, a little bit of a summary of you know, God's work in your life, uh, where, you, where you came from, how you came to... America and and then God's you know the kind of your spiritual story. Okay, um, so I'm from Ukraine originally. Uh, I uh, gave my heart to Christ when I was 16, and a uh, year later I walked away from. Actually, a couple of years later I walked away from God. I walked away from God and uh, was making some not right decisions, some wrong decisions, um, and which has been leading me to some themes and stuff like that. And uh, at the end, I was actually uh, really tired of it. I, I, I knew God, and I would still come into the church and because Holy Spirit was, was convicting me and the things going wrong. And I started praying to God that He will change my circumstances so that I can... He will help me to get closer to him. In meanwhile, I didn't know that you know my sister, uh, my older sister came here as a religion refugee um, earlier uh, with her husband and her family um, by inviting by their friends. And I didn't, we didn't know that she filed the paperwork for us, for our family, for mom and the kids. And um, so <laughs> for me. When we received the package invitation for the interview in U.S. Embassy um, in Moscow, that's where we've been before because Ukraine didn't have an embassy yet, I believe strongly that that was the answer from God. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, everything was a green light for us in the preparation of the documents and the interview went incredibly smoothly. Uh, so we got the religion refugee because of the prostitution, you know, my mom and we had experience in, uh, in school, uh, as well, you know, the, there was no further, um, education for Christian kids. As soon as they will know that you're Christian, you cannot go to college, university, or anything like that, unless you're hiding it. Mm-hmm. So, um, we came to United States in 1997 and, in my first uh, church service that we attended in Sacramento, I gave my heart to Christ again. And the, me and my three younger kids went to the tremendous um, abuse, 
from my ex-husband. Um, and um, But God was with us all these years. And then God gave us amazing dad and husband to me, Alan. When were you and, and Alan uh, married? We got married in 2008. Okay. Um, so Victoria was seven, seven, six, and Julie was just uh, two years old. Okay. And what year did you guys uh, end up moving to Guam? How long ago was that? We moved to Guam in 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we stayed in Guam for three and a half years. In the beginning, it was incredibly hard for me because um, I was pregnant and Alan left to Japan and I didn't know anybody. So I don't remember how I got to Harvest, maybe because we already we already registered the kids there and I was just went to check the church that, you know, kids are going to be attending. Um, and I went to the Bible study. I actually went to the Bible study twice, and I think one time I attended the service. That was a ladies' Bible study that was happening, Natalia, is that right? Ladies' Bible study, yeah. yes. And that's where I met Rhonda and uh, Ben and uh, Tammy Heron. Uh, they were kind of like really, really, you know, on me. Like, if you need anything, please let us know. So here I am in labor, and I was so shy and embarrassed to call Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> so that she can take me to the hospital. But my neighbor, the one that we agreed that she's going to be watching the kids while I'm going to the hospital, she said, don't you drive by yourself. <laughs> I'm begging you, please call. Somebody told you that they will take you to the hospital. Call them. I'm like, okay, I will. So. When I did, I told I told Rhonda, I said, Rhonda, you were the biggest support to me <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> my husband never rubbed never rubbed my back while I'm in labor. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rhonda has had a ministry among so many people. She just genuinely cares, and it's not surprising to us around Harvest about the fact that she was there for yeah. you in that time of need. I think it's a story that's been told by yeah, a lot of other that people. Was, that was yeah. So then uh, it happened that uh, Alan came for labor. He made it. Uh, he came at 3 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, Joshua was born. Wow. Um, so he had to leave me immediately because Emily, uh, our one of the youngest uh, daughter, got pneumonia and really had high fever, so he had to take her to emergency. Mm-hmm. So he left me there in the hospital, and he went to Emily, and... You know, all, all, just all those things been happening, and um, so he left two weeks later back to Japan, and I was by myself with kids, and thanks to George, the pastor, Tammy uh, Heron, they give me the senior uh, so that she can help with kids, and that I can, you know, that it was a big support, actually. Yeah. It was a big support. Yeah. So Senia stayed with us, I think, one month before she went to college. And uh, so that's why we were surviving. But talking later to Alan, I said, I hate Guam with all of my heart. <laughs> I hate <laughs> There's so many bad things happening to me here. I just want to go back to things. You know, she's like, well, calm down. This is not going to happen time soon. 
doesn't have to relax, you know, and stuff like that. Later on, maybe about uh, maybe about six months later, and 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 during the all the period of time that I've been there, looking back with all of the things that's been happening and how God was teaching and leading, yeah. I I clearly understood that that was God's will for me to be there because I know I I was in class. Yeah. God was teaching me a lot of things that I didn't know before. The first of all, God taught me what is really the the, the church family is. Mm-hmm. I I never knew that. I never experienced that in my life before. So the first thing that that's what He taught me, and and that's what He told me. That's how you're gonna be. That's what that's what I want you to be. Fulfilling your you know the the people's needs around you. He was teaching me to do that. He was teaching me how to support others even when you are in pain. Because when you are in pain, that's where you understand people who are going through some hard times, you understand them a lot better. Yeah, it's a beautiful story of what the... You're related to them. Yeah. And I'm so... I start thinking, instead of complaining, I really, really start thanking God for that He allowed in my life pain and suffer and so that I can pray for those people who is going through that and I would understand them better. Yeah, Natalia, it really is a beautiful story of uh, of the church and of what a church should look like. And as it played out in, in your life and the life of your family, I'm really thankful for that example. Sarah, I wanted to ask you uh, real quick, and we want to talk about your story as well. Um, so you came to Guam uh, in 2017. What year were you in school then? I was a junior. Was it a hard transition for you coming to Guam? Personally, it was because I, I thought that my true friends and all, like, all of my family, they were in California. Um, but really the, the people that are your family are the people that you make it with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the people that are, that really, that you can really support or that really support you and that they encourage you also. Yeah, that's amazing. And, uh, I know that God connected you here. You were able to stay here at Harvest uh, through your graduation, uh, and then you went to the States uh, to go to college. Is that right? Where did you go to college? went to Wyoming, University of Wyoming. Okay. Um, And that's where God had a tremendous trial for you in your life and in your family. We kind of hinted at that at the beginning of uh, of this story, but in March of this last year, you got very sick. Isn't that right? She's crying, Foster. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Natalia, can you tell us a little bit, just a quick summary of what happened in March? So March 29, and uh, March 28, we talked, that was the... Saturday for Sarah. Uh, we talked with her that we're going to bring her back to Guam because of the lockdowns in, in uh, uh, colleges and universities and here in the States and stuff like that. So we planned that, but in the end, you know, she was uh, kind of 
making me hurry up that uh, mama uh, let's get into conversation I have a really bad headache uh, and uh, so I told her I asked her if she had any medication in her room she said no so I told her just just ask somebody to take a PR they will help her and help you and then you know you can ask for some ibuprofen for you to prescribe that you can have it for your headache so that was on Saturday she went to the emergency uh, and my about Three hours later, she sent me text that she's doing better, and they released her from the ER, uh, and she got the prescription. So on Sunday, uh, 5 o'clock, but between 5 and 6 for her, it was 9 o'clock Monday for us, between 9 and 10. Uh, Alan got a call from Sarah. We were all in the same room uh, doing the school with Isabella and Emily, and she was crying. She was really weeping on the phone and telling Alan that she cannot feel her legs. Um, I, Alan told her to hang up and call 911. So I told him when she hung up, we didn't know what happened after that, right? So that was our last conversation. Mm-hmm. I told Alan maybe some kind of side effects from the medication that they gave it to her last night in the ER uh, because that was weird. So we... Two hours later, we got the phone call from her friend uh, telling that uh, she, Sarah is in emergency and she has blood clots in her brain. And about 15 minutes, doctor is going to call us. So in about 15 minutes, doctor called us from emergency in Wyoming and he said that Sarah has blood clots in her brain and we're going to transport her to... Um, to the hospital in Denver. Yeah, I'm sorry. I remember those those days. I mean, uh, I know your church, your uh, family, of course, was so far away and trying to get information. Sarah was, you know, many ways by herself. She was up in, you know, at college, and so roommates were trying to give you information. And our church was praying so intensely. I mean, those were very intense days, right? Thank you, Pastor. Your encouragement was tremendous. And uh, so the doctors that you know, when they when they put her in a helicopter, and then about 15 minutes prior to her arrival to Denver, Dr. Case called from there and uh, from University Hospital of Denver, and he said, uh, guys, I will not walk around. I will just tell you straightforward that I'm, I'm not going to be able to save her. She, she has about six or seven uh, blood clots in her brain, and they are so deep, I cannot perform the surgery. So jump on a plane as soon as you can, and maybe you're going to be able to say goodbye to him. So uh, that's what we told you, Pastor, when, when I was constantly calling you. And thank you for answering the phone and being a such a support in those, those moments for us. Well, we were all feeling that together um, of, you know, just the sense of helplessness and the reality that the only thing that we could do, you guys were so far away, the only thing we could do was pray, but that we really believed that prayer could matter, right? Exactly. Prayer could matter, and that's why, you know, that's why we were calling you, and because we know that only God can do something in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, and. So we arrived there, and we had a meeting with the, they let us come to see Sarah uh, as soon as we arrived, and uh, to say goodbye to him. So 
after you know we we've been there with with her about ten minutes while the doctors have been getting together for us to have a meeting with them. Um, so we met with the doctors and social worker, and we were uh, talking about that they were they were basically pushing us to to disconnect the life support because they were um, they 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 couldn't save us. And this and, was in, uh, and this was in the middle of uh, you know right in the heart of the early days of the COVID nineteen restrictions. Um, it was a special thing that they allowed you even to be in the hospital, right? Because nobody else was able to be in the hospital, and they thought it was just going to be yeah, the doctor, last time you'd be able to say goodbye to her, right? Yeah, doctor said I have kids on my own. I have a heart for you guys. I just want you to come and and, and see her. In a conversation uh, between us, it turned out that you know. They were saying that um, let's just disconnect the life support and let her go in a better place. And and uh, I, I told the doctors that is, is the machine is breathing for her right now or she's breathing on her own. They said it's a machine. I said it's a heartbeat. Is she is heart beating on her own or is the machine is uh, helping her for her heartbeat? They said no, her heartbeat is on her own. I said okay, then then let's. You know, God work in her life because I, I said, "Is anybody here believes in God?" And it was a quiet time. Hmm. And then one of the doctors, the main doctor, Doctor Case, he said, "I do." I said, "Doctor, then you understand what I'm talking about?" He said, "Well, you know, I do, but sometimes God has a different plan." And I said, "Okay, then let God's plan work instead of life." And the, the social worker got a little bit upset, saying, we're not talking about God here right now. I said, no, we're talking about God, because God gave her life, not me. I have no right to disconnect her life support machine, because if her heart is beating, that means there is life. And I cannot take that life away. If God will decide that that's what he wants for Sarah, then we're going to let her go. So we agreed on, until her heart is beating, they're going to do whatever they think they can do. If, the, if, her, if her heart is going to stop, then we're going to let her go. And in the meanwhile, so we were praying. And as you know, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, I was passing. And on Sunday, it was a break point for me. I started thanking God for the, those three days for four days that he gave it to me to come down, to rule the situation and say to him, okay, God, your will be done. Mm-hmm. If you want to take her, take her. I know you want to best for her. You created her and you know where it's going to be the better place for her, in heaven or here on earth. And when I... When I released her, I felt peace. Yeah. I felt peace beyond understanding. I was even scared of the peace. I was talking to Jackie, I think, in that moment, uh, and and I told her I I have peace that I'm 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 afraid of. And then you know we've all been praying. A lot of thousands thousands of people have been praying. And God answered the prayer. He mm. decided that Sarah is going to still be here. Hmm. 
Yeah, and it was such an amazing story. Um, that Sunday, if, if I'm tracking right, I don't remember all the timing, but um, when was the first time after that decision was made when you felt like, hey, we're going to just continue to keep the life support as long as her heart's beating? When was the first time you started to see a little bit of good news? Even though she was still in coma, she was her life was still in danger. Mm-hmm. And she's been running some fever as well. Uh, high fever, where they were not understanding where it was coming from and uh, where is the infection. They couldn't figure it out. So when we were back in Guam already, and um, she moved her toe. Yeah, so just so I can put all that together for our listeners, I mean, you during that whole time, after that first time that you were able to see Sarah, they would not let you back in the hospital, right? No, sir. They yeah. were not because they said because of the COVID, we cannot let you in. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we were there for two weeks, and then we start thinking we have four kids, and you know, and and we heard that Guam got on lockdown, so when we're not gonna come back, we're gonna be in quarantine for two weeks in a hotel, and and we start having problems with uh, our younger girls that they start having a ear infection, but even you know, even that just like. Attack from there, attack from them, but news from them, but news from them. But God was taken care of, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhonda was able to take Isabella to the doctor, and they've been taken care of there. And then we arrived in Guam, and we've been told that, you know, because of our situation, they might, you know, help us with all of that, and we can come back to our kids because, because of the situation in our family was really, really difficult, and we were really need to be together in those moments, because we still didn't know if we ever going to see Sarah again mm-hmm. when we left then. Right. Yeah, just so you weren't able to see her after, you know, after that first time. She was in a coma. Um, you were The only way you were able to communicate with doctors was, you know, was by phone, really. And so, you and a lot of things were happening with your kids back here, and so you did end up coming, you know, back again with all the restrictions that are going on here, some quarantine. And then uh, and then from here, you know, you got some, I mean, we're continuing to pray. You're giving updates, but Sarah really just wasn't responding. Um, but then you got some good news, right? You said that, that she was moving a little bit. Well, the first good news was when she moved her, when they, when they started slowly uh, taking her out of medical coma uh, in some few days, she starts, she moved her toe on her right leg. Mm-hmm. And we were like, yay, she moved her toe! Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so little by little, little by little, every day was there was, uh, she moved her toe and then she moved her finger on her right hand. Um, because of the, you know, there, there was no an explanation on that yet. When when she was uh, waking up more, she was able to move her leg, move her uh, hand on the right side. The left side was paralyzed, and then they started explaining to us because of the uh, tremendous damage on her right side of the brain, her lo- le- her left side was paralyzed. And uh, so we were praying a lot about that. Um, and then, you know, um, 
So she was in ICU for five weeks, and they removed her on orthopedic floor, and that for a week she stayed there, and then she was uh, transferred to hospital. Mm-hmm. So she was not able to speak, and and she was not able to express her emotions. Right. Uh, at, at the time, and uh, I never will forget the Mother Day because that's when Sarah spoke. <laughs> <laughs> so we are we are calling. We've always been calling before and having a. Uh, feedback from the nurses, how the night went or how the day went. Uh, and we're talking to them first. And the nurse who answered the phone, she said, Oh, my goodness, Sarah, Borok, I almost fell unconscious when I heard her speaking. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, we are all excited and stuff like that, having our normal uh, phone call and FaceTime. And so Alan answered the phone and Sarah said, he said, hi, Sarah, and she said, hi, baby. Oh, my. And there was sitting crying in there from hearing the, you know, the first words from Sarah. Uh, that's, I, 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 that's the best, the best uh, Mother's Day ever to hear her speak. Yeah. Again. And I, will, I told her, when you move her first stove, I have everything on, on you know, rec- record. I'm going to put the day as your second birthday. Sarah, are you still there? I am. Um, what would you be able to tell us? Uh, obviously, you you didn't know what was going on probably during this whole time. When are you able to remember back? What's the first thing that you remember? And tell me how you were feeling when when you started to kind of realize what had happened. Um, I don't remember much. Yeah, is there anything that you can remember that? Uh, Kind of the first thing you can think back on? I remember having to call for everything that I needed. Yeah. Have, having to rely on so many other people. Mm-hmm. And I also remember just how silent everything was. And it was just very lonely mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, I'm sure it was very frightening. Um to be waking up and not, you know, your family was still not able to be with you there in the hospital and trying to figure out what was going on. I'm thankful for the promise that God was with you through all of that time. And uh, even in those most lonely times, the, the promise that God did not leave you, he stayed with you. I'm thankful for those promises. And I remember... And I remember, Sarah, the first time that I talked with you, and uh, I think uh, your mom was able to have a little bit of a Facebook or WhatsApp um, video and to see you there talking, and it just was such, it is such an amazing miracle. I I still feel overwhelmed by that that first conversation. Yes, I was telling Sarah that, you know, even though She's not going to remember that or, you know, stuff like that. That we were, from the day one, we were praying over her. And when, uh, while she was in coma, we were doing the FaceTime with her every single day. And we were praying over her mm-hmm. that, you know, that she was never alone. We were praying over the nurses and doctors and uh, that taking care of her in there. And, um, you know, telling her all these stories 
this is like, you know, she's hearing about somebody else, not about her. Yeah. But she knows, she knows and she believes right there that God is always with you. Absolutely. Alan, this has been, it's been a very difficult time as a dad and, you know, you really feel the weight of your desire to protect your children and provide for them. Um, I know this has been a hard time for you for sure, right? Uh, as I indicated earlier, you know, just uh, what we experienced, you know, with our, the birth of our child there, the church really has been a bedrock for us. Uh, just the, the amount of support in both um, um, prayers and um, just in, yeah, physical presence and capability uh, just to help us. Uh, it just, it relieved a tremendous burden from us because when we left to go, to Denver, we had to find somebody to stay with the rest of our kids because we couldn't take them with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was a struggle. The church came through for that. Uh, they provided support during our entire time while, while we were there. And we came back, and uh, I think there were some folks that were even trying to coordinate for early release for us uh, out of the quarantine there in the hotel. Um, so, it, it, I mean, um, you, uh, you have a Well, this is what family does, and uh, your family has has uh, been part of our family, and still and still is. And uh, family cares for each other, and it's one of the pictures of the body of Christ. Uh, we're brothers and sisters, and uh, we we walk along each other. The Bible talks about we rejoice when family rejoices, and we weep with those that weep. And uh, and this is you know the Rob family story is an example of both, even over the last six months. We've uh, wept together with you, and I am so thrilled to be able to be having this conversation today as an expression of the fact that we have rejoiced together. I mean, my my heart is just so filled uh, with what God has done and, uh, and really the miracle that he's uh, done in the life, in Sarah's life, and in your family, and it reminds us of the greatness of our God. And I'm thankful to you guys for your willingness to be able to share the story and and just your willingness to share what God has done. So thank you for that. You're very well. Thank you. You know, just thinking about that, uh, what the doctor was saying, what the outcome for Sarah is going to be, that, you know, she will not, even if she's going to be alive, she is going to be in vegetable stage, not mm. able to hear or see or or walk or move or you know or just all of that, all of that you know, uh, scariness. And where Sarah is right now and where she is today, even the doctors here when they saw the Sarah's uh, Sarah's uh, diagnosis before they came in into the room. Uh, the neurologist came in and she looked at her and she was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was absolutely thinking I'm going to go see a lot different pictures than what I'm seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And during our appointment, she was several times saying, wow, I cannot believe my eyes with your diagnosis the way you look today. And, you know, every time when somebody is trying to say something, I'm trying to say something too, that this is God's miracle. 
when the doctor's given up, God is, that's when we can clearly, clearly see God's miracle. Well, your family has been a uh, clear testimony of that and your desire to always send the glory to God and thankfulness for what he has done has really been a great testimony. So thank you guys. I wish we had more time to tell this story and we're so thankful for what God has done. Would it be okay if I just prayed with you as we uh, conclude our time together? Absolutely. Father, we thank you for the Rob family I thank you for the miracle that you've done in Sarah's life, and I thank you the faith that was evidenced by Alan and Natalia, uh, and uh, Lord, you in your grace saw fit to answer this prayer in miraculous ways, and we thank you for that. I pray that Sarah's life would forever be a testimony to your goodness and your power um, and your love for us. Would you continue to bring healing uh, in every way to Sarah, and I'd ask that you continue to provide for the Rob family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Good, so good to talk to you again. We'll look forward to, I'm not sure when the next step is, but we'll look forward to seeing you again. Okay. Well, Pastor, say thank you to everybody, and we miss everybody tremendously. I miss the church. I miss my dear, dear watch care group and Bible study ladies. I'm uh, I'm just... I miss my family. I really do. Just say hi to everybody, please, for us. Yeah, we sure will, and we'll continue to pray. We're thankful for these relationships that God has given us, that they never end. Um, I think the Harvest family spreads all around the world, and uh, and so we're thankful for that. We're praying that uh, you would continue, as I know your desire is to, to serve God, um, and share some of this Harvest family lessons that you were talking about earlier, Natalia, um, with, uh, with the people that God connects you there in San Diego. So we'll pray for that. Well, thank you for listening today to an extended version of Harvest Time. I think you can tell after listening to that uh, why we thought it was important to bring you the whole interview. Of course, we want to invite you to be with our family at least via live stream this week. That's the opportunity we have at 9 a.m. Sunday morning on our website, hbcguam.org, or on our Facebook page at Harvest Baptist Church. That's hbcguam.org, or on Facebook, Harvest Baptist Church. 9 a.m. Sunday, our live stream service. We really hope you're able to join us. If you can't make it to either one of those, we will be carrying the service live here on 88.1 FM. Of course, we'd love to have you join us. Thank you again for listening to this week's Harvest Time.